Hi, everybody. Welcome to our second episode of Live from Pawnee, a Parks and Rec fan rewatch podcast. This is Alan, and along with me is my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Alan. How you about you, buddy? I'm doing great. Hey, I'm excited to, to be back this week. Uh, it was a lot of fun doing our first episode last week, and I'm looking forward to talking about this episode, which is called Canvassing. And I think, Mark, you're going to probably start us off with a, a little bit on the cold open, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, this uh, this episode uh, starts out with actually it's one of the funnier parts in the episode as I think it often is. Leslie's talk. It's Easter time. Leslie's talking to the camera. Uh, I, I, Pawnee is having their annual town uh, Easter egg hunt, and very quickly we see that no one, new one, is finding any Easter eggs. And at first, Leslie goes, "Oh wow, Tom, Tom Haverford, you you really hid them well." And then he kind of looks at the camera and is like, "I forgot to hide them." So it's a it's just a pretty funny moment. The kids start getting mad and throwing down Easter baskets on the ground. What do you think of it? Uh, I think it's my favorite part of the episode. Um, we'll get into this a little bit, but I think um, I, I would not be shocked if when we've looked back on season one, if we didn't both nominate this as maybe our least favorite episode. Yeah, I, I, I think you may be right. A little little foreshadowing here. So I'm, you know, when, when we already talk about the cold open, we've hit our high mark for the episode. You know that that can't, <laughs> that, that can't be a good sign. I, I tell you what, uh, Alan, if it's all right with you, uh, how about I just I launch into the synopsis of just what the episode's about? Maybe just like a 60-second summary. Let's do it. All right. <clears throat> All right. Well, after that awesome cold open, hi, Mark, um, Leslie is planning a, a town open forum about her pit project, which we found out about last episode. And she invites uh, her seemingly uninterested mother, Marlene Griggs Nope, who is an official with the county school system. And her mother warns she may not be able to come. She doesn't seem real interested. Mark Brendanowitz warns Leslie, this is too early. The crowd could turn if you have an open forum this soon. And, and they may vote down the proposal. Uh, undeterred, Leslie says, nope, we're going to go forward with this. And she, Mark, Tom, and an intern, April, uh, start canvassing the neighborhood to try and win support. Many funny or unfunny moments occur. Canvassing largely is unsuccessful for a variety of reasons. No one's really uh, enthusiastic about it. Tom takes off in the middle of it. Uh, people either aren't interested or can't make the meeting. And, and a frustrated Leslie uh, says some, I think, questionable things, which we'll get to later. Uh, and at the end of the canvassing, Leslie angrily finds everybody playing rock band together, which she really doesn't care for. Fearful that Brendanowitz was right, Leslie asks Ron to postpone the open form. Ron says he can't. It's been fast-tracked. Uh, Leslie's mother ends up attending, but the open form turns ugly. Most of the people there are against the project. Leslie pretends April is a supportive citizen until she's recognized by the crowd. Uh, alarmed, Ron tells Leslie, don't let it come to a vote under any circumstance, which Leslie attempts to do by filibustering her own meeting, which more on that later. Uh, Leslie is brutally criticized until the magical 9 p.m. moment when she announces time is out and ends the meeting. A weary and battle-worn Leslie stays positive despite the frustrating meeting and saying she loved every minute of it, even getting a supportive smile from her mother at the end. So there you go, Alan. I like it. Um, I love the, the one of the best. Uh, it's a great description, by the way. And, you know, when you look at it on paper and hear you describe it, it sounds like a pretty good episode. 
I, I think overall it's pretty interesting. It, uh, some of the reasons that, you know, it's not our favorite. Um, and we'll get into that a little bit, but um, I did want to give it a shout out to Pamela Reed who plays uh, Leslie's mom and that little um, smile, as you called it, smirk at the end that she shoots her is great. And, um, you know, I think there's a lot of interesting things in this episode, but one of them is definitely this kind of new relationship that we get to learn about between Leslie and her mom, um, who she describes as kind of a, a high powered muckety muck within the school education system. And, yep. uh, you know, living in her shadow has obviously been hard on Leslie. So she's trying to make it out on her own. And this is her, her first subcommittee. And she's very proud of that. I definitely agree. I think that Leslie it, I, is a, th this is the adult equivalent to being a, an eight-year-old and doing a piano recital for your mom to to show off to her. And she wants so desperately to to win her mom's approval. And and at the beginning of this episode, I mean, I, I love uh, the great Pamela Reed, who I knew prior to this, honestly, probably the most uh, to play opposite Arnold Schwarzenegger in Kindergarten Cop, believe it or not. Oh wow! Yeah, that was That's her. A throwback she's, reference. She's but she's really, really great, and and I kind of felt sorry for Leslie because she seemed very meh, like like she didn't really. I, I wasn't sure if it was that she didn't believe in Leslie or she's just very you know meh, apathetic. But it, it seemed uh, jarring almost to have a member of the Nope uh, clan not be so in, insanely positive as Leslie is. Um, so it was nice to get that final little, that little smile at the end to go, okay, she, she loves her. I'm a well, set like that. <laughs> I, I like that too. And I think it's, it's indicative of the overall episode that, you know, despite this is not the Leslie that we'll know and come to love later, or super confident and kind of always on it, super organized, doesn't really get, flustered as much as the Leslie we see here in episode two, you know, she still comes out on top. She still, she figures out on her feet that she's got to filibuster this thing to keep it from coming to a vote. And she makes the most of it. And at the end, she's just happy one that it's over. And two that, you know, one of the, the hecklers that calls her the parks lady, right. As he tells her she sucks. <laughs> yep. So uh, that's also another great moment, but um no, I think I think that's really good. Um, should we hit our AKAs? That's kind of something we established in the last episode that, uh, you know, we were never satisfied with the title given by the, the creators, this episode being called Canvassing. And I, I believe you, you have your AKL ready to go, Mark. That is correct, Alan. I mean, canvassing is fine if you're just going for the very boring, accurate title. I guess that that fills the bill. Uh, it, my AKA is... Um, it's uh, now I look at it. It's a little long. Uh, my AKA is you don't care about your kids. If you don't support this park, um, which nice. I, I probably selected that not so much because it's funny because now I'm thinking it's not so funny, but be, but because it's more indicative of, of one of the things that, that kind of stays with me after this episode was over, which we'll, we'll get to later. Alan, how about you? What was your AKA? Uh, my, my AKA is, uh, you know, based on a Tom Haverford line here is, uh, you know, he's, he's got some sort of ultimatum with one of his potential vendors and he, he says, or are you going to be a beep? So um, I love it. Yeah. It's, a, right, it's, yours a, it's is a little better. edgy, but I liked it. So <laughs> I like that. Um, well, <clears throat> what do you think next? Should we, um, I know we usually do some standout moments. We talk about some, some character development. Which of those two do you want to tackle first? What do you think? 
Well, let's go through a few of the stand-up moments. I know you, you've, you've called a couple of those together for us, and we can go through those. And beyond those stand-up moments, maybe some of the character arcs that are starting to emerge here. And I wanted to also maybe double back at some point and talk about a few of the things we missed in episode one. I think ah. we were so excited once we hit record that we didn't really... <laughs> um, necessarily follow our own format and it's emerging it's a it's a work in progress and hopefully we get a little better at this every week we'll, we'll maybe hit a few of those things as well as some of those standout moments all right sounds good why don't we do standout moments first or are we going to do a break you know what? Great point. We've got a sponsor on this week's episode, and um, I think it's Don Cement. So let's go to the commercial. We'll be right back. Hello. My name is Ron Swanson. Don Cement's the best that you can get. Don's. Everybody, welcome back. I want to thank Nick Offerman for uh, reading for us this week. Uh, that great tagline from episode two, canvassing. You know, Mark, what's interesting about this episode, one of the what? things, this is actually episode three. Um, this was the third episode that uh, was filmed, but it was aired second. Oh, really? Totally wow. true. I yeah, I learned that, that in the commentary. And huh. if you pull up the script, you can see it's also called, uh, you know, it's got a little number there and it's 1003. Wow. You learn something new every day. Yeah. Well, one of the things I, that I think we'll also try to do each week and we neglected to do last week was talk about who wrote and directed the episode. I can't believe we missed that, but let's do that right now. This episode was written by Rachel Axler um, alongside, and, and, and Parks and Rec is a lot like The Office. It's an ensemble writing effort. Usually one of the writers in the writer's room is assigned an episode and they're kind of the primary uh, conduit of, of moving that episode along. Um, they write the initial draft. The other writers then get feedback. The producers get feedback. Um, Leslie, or in this case, Amy Poehler, um, gets feedback. She's functionally kind of one of the showrunners and an executive producer herself. So, you know, a lot of people get their hands in the pie by the end, but um, officially we, we, the writing credit in this one goes to Rachel Axler, and this episode was directed by Seth Gordon. Last episode was written by Greg Daniels and Mike Schur, the co-creators of the, of the show appropriately, and uh, was directed by Greg Daniels. So there you go. We, we neglected to say that last time. So Awesome. Thanks, Alan. Absolutely. Well, what do you got from a standout moment perspective, Mark? Um, wh where do you want to start? Well, I I'll do my standout moments. You know, I, I, I'll make no uh, pretense about this. This was, um, this, was, this was kind of a challenge for me. This wasn't one of my favorite episodes. I do so love Parks and Rec in general, but I was able to, to pull a few out. Um, one, I, we've already talked about a couple, actually. Um, the first was the cold open where uh, uh, the kids are getting mad about not finding the Easter eggs. And, and I'll lie if I haven't said, if I, if I say I haven't done that accidentally as an adult, you know, <laughs> once or twice. So it did. It, it, Parenting's it, it, hard. I, I, it's hard to adult. It really is. Uh, two, uh, I, I love, uh, you know, we already talked about Leslie's mother, uh, Marlene Griggs, note played by the great Pamela Reed. Uh, I, I love uh, Leslie's uh, description of her. She obviously holds her in such high esteem. She says uh, her mother is, and I quote, as respected as Mother Teresa, as powerful as Stalin, and as beautiful as Margaret Thatcher. Wow. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, high praise. Um, um, 
I wonder how she feels about that. <laughs> I don't know how I would interpret that. And um, I think the third one is just a more general sense. You know, as, as I've watched through the entire show, I, you know, you see over and over and over Leslie Nope compiling a ridiculous amount of research and information into her classic Leslie Nope binders with some flashy title that's all colored and has artistic stuff on it. And everyone always looks at it and goes, what, how did you do this? Like, what, how did you have time to do all this crap? And I think unless I'm mistaken that this episode is the first time that they show the Leslie note binder. I think she was giving it to the, the, uh, her, her fellow canvasser canvassers and giving them instructions on, well, you know, th these are all the scenarios that it could be. I think one of them was, uh, if you, if you happen to look like, uh, That's right. Jack Nicholson, a celebrity. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, yeah. Yeah. You want to do it like this, like you are ridiculous, but that's kind of awesome. So you can't handle the pit. You can't handle the pit. That's why we got to make it a park. That's right. What, how about you, man? No, I like that as well. I, I felt like, uh, and I think Anne even said, wow, this is, a, this is very thorough. Um, yeah, no, it's, it, I think it is the first appearance of a binder, the first of many, many appearances of binders, um, you know, really right up until the end of the series, we'll, we'll be blessed by many Leslie um, plans uh, thorough plans uh, that take shape in some sort of binder anywhere from two to seven inches wide. So yeah, this is probably one of the smaller ones actually. <laughs> um, I also really liked in this episode, um, one of the, the characters we meet when they're out canvassing, they, they meet an array of people. Um, there are a couple interesting standouts in there. One of them is the older gentleman they meet on the street who's walking his dog. And there's a great deleted scene where we get to learn a little more about him and the fact that his dog's just about to die. So, um, yeah, which is great. Um, he's played by a great character actor who also played uh, Ro Robert Mifflin in The Office, one of the founders of Dunder Mifflin, or, or Robert Dunder, I think, actually. So oh, that's uh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Huh. So there's, there's a lot of characters you'll see in both of these series kind of uh, especially background actors show up in both and uh, that was a great moment um, Kate Spivak who, who they're going to set up kind of as uh, the Leslie nemesis um, for the long haul here um, you, you want to talk about that scene a little bit I think she was played by uh, the actress's name is Lennon Parham, if yeah. I if I have that correct. Right. Uh, and I, I believe she did uh, improv with Amy Poehler prior to Parks and Rec in Upright Citizens Brigade. So clearly they knew each other. Um, yeah, uh, Leslie and Anne are canvassing and they're they're trying to win support. Uh, they they happen upon Kate Spivak, who for some uh, odd reason is does not like parks. Yeah. Did you notice her front yard? It is a park. She's got a swing set. There's like foliage everywhere. It's like her own little private. I just don't think she likes being in parks with other people. Well, that, that could be, that's a great point. I actually, I hadn't noticed that, but now that I think about it, you're right. And, and I think, I think this is where it started to turn especially ugly for me. There, there was, Leslie is obviously getting frustrated uh, you know, because she's trying to win support and people either don't want the park or they can't come. So she ends up blurting out to, to Kate, um, 
she says that, well, it was my AKA. AKA she, yeah. 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 She said literally kind of under her breath as Kate's walking away, she says, uh, you know, you don't care about your kids if you don't support this park, which, <laughs> you know, on, on paper, I thought that probably sounds funny. It came across a little mean. I, yeah. I, I thought. And so Kate turns around and is like WTF, you know, and is like, okay, you, when is this town hall meeting? Cause yeah, I'm going to be there. And, yeah. Now my foot's going to be up your beep. So, um, yeah, well, you know, it, it's a little bit classic, Leslie. I agree. This is not something we'd see her do later, but if you think about it, she's super passionate. This is her first subcommittee. Uh, she wants to make this happen. She made that pinky promise with Ann, you know, that, yeah. that, that happens. So she's got to hold up her end of the bargain. So, you know, there's a lot at stake and, uh, you know, Leslie's, uh, crosses the line for sure and uh and creates an enemy so that was pretty funny i uh you know the 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 character there that you mentioned played by lennon she the upright citizens brigade her and leslie uh her and amy poehler uh were two members of that um along with a few other people who actually eventually not at the same time as them but were members of the upright citizens brigade and also cast members on this very show aubrey plaza and uh, Ben Schwartz, who we'll meet later, uh, the great Ben Schwartz. So, all all four of those folks are on this up or on this television series, and happen to have been in the Upright Citizens Brigade. So, pretty interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Thanks for that. Are there any other standout moments you had, or did we kind of cover them all? What do you think? I think um, you know the the inside look of the dirty uh, sausage making of politicking that we see. Uh, from Tom Haverford is uh, particularly funny. Um, you know, Tom is, um, you know, I kind of made the point last week that, you know, Tom started off, uh, maybe he and Mark Brandanowitz kind of switch parts a little bit and Tom gets a little less sleazy as time goes on. But, you know, I, I think here, Tom's still kind of on that side of the spectrum and he's working his connections. Uh, he's promising, you know, to make deals with uh, these vendors and make them, you know, the sole sod guy or the sole supplier of plastic trash cans or whatever. Uh, and, you know, and he's basically saying, hey, maybe one day you can scratch my back. I mean, he he doesn't really even hide it. So um, I know in the the, the commentary, uh, which, you know, was led again by Mike Schur. It's pretty interesting to hear them talk about it. They actually were pretty worried that that was going to come across and be, um, you know, that folks would not enjoy that and would think that was kind of gross. Um, they they, they think he's like greedy and opportunistic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, that, you know, that that's a side of uh, the political spectrum of the politicking that they didn't care for. But um, they actually found that a lot of people actually thought it was pretty realistic. Um, maybe really what people expect does go on. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Well, I hope it doesn't, but you know. Right. We all need <laughs> yeah. a sod guy. Yeah. <laughs> Do we ever? <laughs> yeah. um, you know, speaking of that, that's actually not a bad segue into uh, kind of going into the, the the character developing arc, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I actually took some notes about Tom, mm. and and it, I, I find it interesting just because I know my my personal take on it was a little different, and I'm I'm curious to see your opinion about this. Um, sure. Tom, from the beginning, as you said, seems, you know, episode one, he seems kind of apathetic. He seems kind of useless, to be honest with you. Just, just, a, just nothing. And yeah. Nothing I could grab onto. He seemed like a kind of a sleazy horn dog at best. Um, 
I liked seeing a scene where the character Tom Haverford actually seemed to have some legitimate talent. Mm. So it, it seems obvious uh, that he's good at schmoozing. I don't disagree. That could be viewed as a greedy or opportunistic, but honestly, I kind of thought of it as, you know, Leslie wanted them all to canvas. I don't think he likes canvassing obviously. So he got out of it any way he could, but then he actually, if you think about it, got to, invite some people there that clearly had a vested interest in the park happening. Now we know they're there because they could have a contract deal with, for some money to be able to do this. But nonetheless, it was a way that he got people to be there that actually wanted the park to happen, which Leslie and the rest of them didn't really manage to do. You know, that's a great point. Hey, maybe we should play that clip of uh, we, we've got. a. I know that um, listening to the commentary as well, they talked about, you know, Aziz Ansari, who plays Tom Haverford, great comedian. And um, they described it as just winding him up and letting him go. And uh, they did that a couple of times in this episode. And so a lot, you know, where I, I think I've, I've listened to the Office Ladies podcast and that's a terrific podcast if you've never listened to it. And um, I, I highly recommend it. But, you know, over and over, because it's such a well-written show, people are constantly asking the hosts, you know, was this moment scripted or was it improv? And, and almost always, like high 90s percent of the time, that show is just very, very scripted. Um, it's just so well-written that it comes across as something that almost had to be improv, right? It's just hard to believe that the writers hit the nail on the head so well. Well, in Parks and Rec, because of the cast here and, and the, the background that so many of them brought, um, including, you know, Chris Pratt. Um, he didn't have a deep background in improv. He just happens to be really good at it. This show has a lot more improv um, overall and a lot more off script stuff. And uh, this, this particular uh, sequence of jump cuts we'll hear from Tom is just a great example of that. You want to hear it? Yeah, please. All right, let's play it. Hey, what's up, buddy? How's my number one side man doing? Look, here's the one, two, three of the situation. One, we're building a new park. Two, I'm on the committee. Three, you're putting in the side. And who knows, you know, maybe the online situation will arise where you could hook me up. Are you going to commit to coming to this meeting tomorrow? Or are you going to be a bitch? Yes. <laughs> um, okay, keep going, keep going. No, yep, there you go. So that's exactly what we're talking about. So, and there's another sequence of five or six of those runners later on where, you know, he's hitting up another five or six different vendors as we get a little bit closer to the town hall meeting uh, uh, to talk about this particular project. Yeah. And like, I, I think just to kind of cap off what I was saying about, uh, you know, his character building or whatever. I mean, Alan, you and I obviously have the advantage of knowing how the series evolves into the later seasons. And yep. so it's, we know you and I know that Tom Haverford actually has some legitimate talent and, and, and he is able to capitalize on that and express that later in the series. This is just, it's one of those little slivers. that's like, okay, you know, for the person who was just watching this for the first time, you're not completely useless. You do actually have some, some people skills that when you actually put yourself to work and care about something, you can accomplish stuff. Yeah, that's a great point. I, I, and you definitely don't see that in episode one. So it is refreshing to kind of see that here and, and start to see that character develop. Who, who else do you think made some strides here in terms of development uh, in this arc? You know, I was just thinking about that. I, I, I spent such a careful time crafting what I was going to say about Tom, and now I'm thinking about everybody else. I, <clears throat> Leslie, 
I, I feel like this is this is just me. This is Mark getting grumpy, but I feel like Leslie. <laughs> is it that time of day? I think it, it really is. is. Yeah. It's that I need a nap. But Leslie, I feel like took an unexpected turn when she. I know it just seems like one offhanded comment. You know, you know, you you don't care about your kids if you don't support yeah. this park, but. It's it, it's one of those things where I love Saturday Night Live and I love so many of their skits that they've had. But yeah. I would say that, in my opinion, a lot of these things, I can totally see how they sound hilarious on paper. Mm-hmm. I mean, her filibustering her own open forum, that seems like a hilarious concept. And I could see that, for example, as a Saturday Night Live skit. But yeah. like a Saturday Night Live skit, I, in my opinion once you start to drag it out be you know beyond 30 seconds well now it's starting to drag a little bit get a yeah. little bit long in the tooth well and those characters and those skits can do something that's pretty um make makes them difficult to like and it doesn't matter because you're probably not going to see them again we're going to see leslie again and again and again so you know you're on thin ice as a writer or creative in a series like this and you know trying to you know you can't go too far. These, these folks got to stay human or you're just not going to want to support them. I, I would agree with that. I, I would say the, the only other two people I could even think of it, you know, Ann Perkins kind of stays her same Ann Perkins self. Uh, you know, she sees the first note binder and I think she's a little bit like, what the hell? You know, like what, where did this lady come from? Um, and she, she witnesses how a well-meaning Leslie can go overboard with things, but she generally stays positive. Um, Ron Swanson, he's he was kind of a, a a grab bag in this in this episode. Um, you know, I gosh, I like the character so much. He he seemed a little bit opportunistic. He seemed mildly more supportive mm. of Leslie, but I think it was because he's now tied to the project as well. You know, he maintained his yeah. I hate government. He's kind of forced to be. And yeah, I mean, to to me, honestly, when I first saw this series. I didn't even understand why the hell Ron was there. Like, like Leslie, I totally get. Some of the others, if they're really apathetic yeah. and they just kind of failed upward into that job, I could get that. But Ron seems like, well, what? Why are you here, dude? You, you hate this. You hate everything yeah. about it. And I, I get it later, but at this point, he's just kind of a mystery to me. Well, one of the deleted scenes for Ron was specifically about that. You know, he's uh, the city manager. Paul comes in and basically puts some. You know, says, you know, is this thing on? I've heard about it, and you know, uh, encourages Ron to to go forth with it. And then Ron kind of mocks him under his breath there and gets caught. And you know, he, um, you know, when he does, there's a deleted scene where uh, he talks about there's a new wind. Uh, there's all this money coming in from the federal government to fund these projects. And, you know, it's going to cause Ron to do a lot more of the thing he hates. Um, so he actually calls his buddy from the private sector, owns this flower, like online delivery service. And he, and he sets up a meeting and he goes there and he talks to him and he's like, Hey, remember that open promise you had to, for me to come join the, the, your business here in the private sector anytime I wanted. Well, uh, today's the day. <clears throat> And uh, the guy kind of laughs and says, look, you know, hey, buddy, I, you know, there's 150 cubes out there and I've got 40 employees. I just had to cut my own salary 30%. Um, I was going to come to you and see if you had a job. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. so Ron walks away from that incident and he's shook, you can tell, and basically says, I really wasn't all that serious. I, I like my job and I am planning to be in it for a long time. So um, I think, you know, the reality of this situation kind of comes home to roost and uh, he realizes, you know, he's got to make the most of it. 
See, and don't you think that that's just bizarre? Like the, the Ron Swanson that you and I know and love, can you see him going into flower delivery? No, like no. that whole thing as a concept, I, I get no. it. I get what they were trying to get across, but yeah. man, I can just see him saying flowers belong in the ground and that is it. Now, please bring me all of the bacon and eggs you have. <laughs> and keep your flowers. <laughs> Hippie. Yeah. No, I, I really do uh, think, you know, the, the Swanson character starts off and, you know, they're not sure where they're going with it. I love where they end up at the beginning. He's such an, a weird enigma. You know, some of the tropes stay true. He continues to be that guy who doesn't really love the government and, you know, he does as little as possible, but, you know, even later he, he does start to, you know, I think take some pride in what he's doing civically and uh, he'd never admit it, but um, up front here, he just isn't having it. Yeah, I agree. Hey, uh, on the Leslie Nope uh, thing, do you want to play the Kate Spivak scene? I know we talked about that. I think that would be a good one to play. And it's a, I think because she's going to come back and be a recurring character and a foil in in Leslie's plans, I thought maybe we'd play that clip really quick. Yeah, good call. Please do. All right, let's do it. Like most decent Americans, that it would be a good idea to turn the abandoned lot on Sullivan Street into a beautiful community park. Oh, actually, no, I'm not really a fan of parks. Very noisy, barbecue smell all the time. Barbecue smell. Jeez. Would you change your mind if I told you that Nine out of 10 meth users said the same exact thing. What? How would you even know that? Survey. We surveyed crystal meth users. We're actually having a, a little town meeting tomorrow night if you wanted to. Look, I know it sounds weird, but I just don't like living near parks. <laughs> so um, if you have a flyer or something, I'd be happy to take it. Thank you. Don't do it. You don't care about your kids if you don't support this park. No! There it is. It's, what I mean is kids love parks. Look at Anne. She's horrified. So if yep. I don't support your little project, then I don't love my daughter? I didn't. What time is this thing anyway? Ah, it's next month. Forget. Oh, it's tomorrow night. I'll be there. <laughs> See, now someone's foot's yeah, going up good. someone's butt. Yeah, I love it. We got one. So, yeah. Not, not one in the win column, though. No, that was a that was a great call. Uh, I I had forgotten about that. Um, you mentioned Anne there. What what do you think? Uh, are we seeing any development of that particular character? I, I felt like personally, you know, she in episode one was one of the more likable people, and probably still remains so in this episode. Oh, I definitely agree. I, I had said a little bit about this earlier. She she remained her Anne's Perkiny self. Uh, I think that this literally. is the first that literally uh, this that's the risk of head to season three. Um, <laughs> Uh, I, I think that this was the first, you know, episode one, my AKA for episode one was she's doofy, but sweet, which was a nice way of saying, Hey, Leslie, you're a little weird, but I kind of like you. Yep. I think that she still thought that in this episode, but now I think she's also like, you're bizarre. Like, I think it starts to kind of go in that direction. Like you, I'm getting a little bit embarrassed by you. You know, you're a little bit overwhelming, a lot overwhelming in fact. So, um, you know, and, and, and we know it ends up being something, uh, a beautiful friendship blossoms from there. But I think we see a lot more of that. Like in that clip you just played, I I just love watching Rashida Jones's uh, facial expressions. She's just like, oh, my God, I can't believe yeah. you just said that. Yeah. Um, what do you think? 
I, I totally agree. I, I think it was pretty cringy and watching her cringe is about the only thing in that whole scene that actually does make it funny. Otherwise, it's pretty uncomfortable to watch. Uh, she Watch herself implode there. But um, well, why don't we do this? Why don't we take a real quick break? We'll hear from another one of our sponsors and we'll be right back. All right. All right. Hello, my name is Ron Swanson. And I'm going to tell you everything you need to know about the town of Pawnee. While I do not support local government, I do support local businesses because they grease the tightly crafted wheels of capitalism. On behalf of the Pawnee Visitors Bureau, I invite you to come and spend your money here in Pawnee. That is all. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Thanks for uh, our great sponsor there. It's terrific to have so many sponsors so early in our podcast. It's uh, it's just a real sign of, uh, I hope, what's to come. So thank you very much. All right. So, Mark, what do you think? I know we talked about playing another Leslie clip to kind of to maybe tee up our scoring section of this week's episode. What do you think? Uh, yes, that's a great call. How about the button from the end of this episode? That's the little part where you'll see at the end of, a, of one of these sitcoms where they kind of try to wrap everything up and give, leave you with something for the next week. I think uh, Leslie had a particularly good one here. Oh, yeah, I love that. Yeah, let's do that. All right, let's play it. Here we go. It was tough. But, you know, that's Pawnee. That's democracy. There are a lot of people here that want this park. You just got to get past the negative people. But guess what? My subcommittee held its first town hall meeting tonight. She's so God, proud. I loved, it. I loved every minute of it. Hey, Park Lady. Yeah? You suck. <laughs> Hear that? Called me Park Lady. <laughs> <laughs> she owns it. She owns it. Yeah, there it is. Optimistic Leslie. I love it. All right, so should we score this sucker? Let's score this sucker. You want me to go first? Yeah, why don't you lead us off here? And then I'll just copy your score like I did last week, and then we'll, <laughs> we'll wrap it up. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, I, I put a lot of thought into how many little Sebastians uh, that, mm. that, this, uh, that this show is going to get. Uh, you know, I, I went what into What is the a, Canadian measure of a little Sebastian? Because I'm certain that, you know, the English measure is, is a little Sebastian. So what would the Canadian measure be? Uh, a half a pound of back bacon. <laughs> I like it. Or a case of two fours. You're I don't French know. Canadian, right? Oh, all the way. Well, yeah. the upper half. We'll I'll talk about that one of these days. The yeah, that's going to be its yeah. own uh, disturbing podcast. Anyway, yeah. So this this scoring, um, you know, I, I went into a diatribe last week about how, hey, you know what? Even a bad Parks and Rec in the continuum, in the universe of sitcoms it's still pretty good. And it's, and it's good in my opinion, yeah. because of the stellar cast. I mean that I like that, that clip that you played. Thank you, Alan. It, you know, I, I love a sitcom as cheesy as this might sound with a little bit of heart and it's hard to not love Leslie Nope as a character. It's hard not to love her optimism. I love, you know, how that ended. Now, having said that, this episode made me grumpy. Uh, I, to, to me, this episode was borderline interesting from a political perspective, or maybe like the, the, the ins and outs of the real true life of a, of mm. a uh, you know, government employee. And, and as interesting yeah. as that might be for a real documentary, it's not a lot of fun. 
I mean, yeah. you know, and again, like we said, a, a lot of the stuff I think maybe sounded funny on paper. It just kind of meh. It, it, I, I feel like for me, it kind of petered out. Like, you know, canvassing the various weirdos, filibustering her own open forum. I love the idea. And then in practice, it's just kind of like, okay, what's next? You know, um, I, I also feel like Leslie got a little mean while she was canvassing. I know I'm, it seems like I'm, I'm focusing too much on that, on that one statement, but here's the thing. I could, I could totally buy Leslie as any number of things. I could buy her coming across as, you know, frantic or, or nervous or desperate or even controlling or, or overbearing. I can see any of those things on a bad day coming from Leslie and I would go, meh, that's still kind of within her character. Mean? I don't know. That kind of breaks the spell for me. Yeah. So having said all yeah. that, you know, I said last week, I gave last week a 2.5 little Sebastians. A lot of, some of that was because I was leaving room for a worse episode. I, I, I think I found it. I, I'm going to give this a one. Yeah. Alan, what do you think? Wow. A one. That's, I know uh, I mean, it's there's pretty not much lower than that. Yeah. That is the point where you really truly only can go up. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like that's, I don't disagree with anything you said. I feel like I tried to put it through the lens of what happens if we don't have this episode? Like, mm -hmm. what don't we know about the team? What don't we know about the town or the mission? And I guess, you know, season one is so focused on, you know, filling this pit and building the park and, you know, some measure of that does eventually get accomplished. And then we kind of get a new focus in season two. And then that, you know, there's a kind of an intra uh, intra season arc, if you will. And then uh, season three is a little different than two and so on. So I, I just feel like with this, there's a lot here that is, um, foundational to the rest of this season. So it's kind of hard to imagine without it. And yet I agree with a lot of what you said. It's some of the, the cringy stuff and the stuff that's maybe anti character for Leslie. And, um, you know, we're kind of coming out of that phase of Tom. We don't love Ron yet. Still didn't meet Don or Jerry to any degree. Um, got a little more Aubrey Plaza in April this week, but it's again, mostly mugging at the camera, not a lot of lines. Uh, we didn't get to hate Andy as much this week, uh, you know, uh, as we did in the first episode. He didn't have a big presence here, um, although his interchanges with Lawrence on stage uh, and Lawrence talking about his birds and Andy's music. That was pretty funny. Yeah. The episode really does have some funny moments, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, I, I'm going to probably say, you know, two. I'd give it two little Sebastians. Um, again, it's it's a low score. I think many of them are going to score a lot higher, even yet in this season. See, I I I love your points. I and and uh, and I and I see why you're saying it. Let me tell you why you're wrong. No, I no, I I actually I actually thought about it in it from a very similar. This is going to be like every other conversation we have then. Uh, well, someone has to tell you. No, I, I agree with you. This was, you know, all these episodes are foundation building. But you know how I tend to look at it? First of all, I scored it a one because I, I have the advantage of, of, of you know, hindsight because I've seen all the episodes. And I, I honestly don't know if there's a worse one. Because I agree with you. That were there have funny you seen all the episodes? Yeah, that's fair. Almost. I, I'm, I am currently at the, I admit, I'm at the end of season. You knew I was going to call you out for this. Yeah, I, that's fair. I, I, there might be some stinkers in season seven. You're right. But 
so fair, fair enough. But apart from that, I think this has got to be one of the low points. And again, I'm not comparing it to the world of sitcom. I'm just comparing it within themselves. Um, the other thing is whenever a sitcom comes out, I always think is the fur are the first few episodes funny enough or engaging enough for me to want to come back. You're absolutely right. Yeah. By the way, this does foundation building for the rest of this, of the series and the rest of the season. But if I, as a brand new viewer are watching it, what the hell am I going to care? Cause I won't have anything to base that on. You know what I mean? That's a good point. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think it does. Like like we said in episode one, I think there is enough here, enough funny, enough, mm, I wonder what's going to happen. Although, like you said, you know, not the most thrilling thing to watch people go canvas. And yet, you know, there's some oddballs. You get to meet some of the community folks who are a little weird. Like, you know, the guy they walk up to, and we didn't play a clip for this, but, you know, they say something about uh, he, the, the person they asked. <laughs> um, so, so will there be a lot of stuff in the park for children? They're like, oh, yeah. well, how many children do you have, sir? None. Uh, I say, okay, uh, April, okay. stand behind me. <laughs> red flag, red flag. Yeah. And then he says, the best part is he says, uh, tell me this, this will be at least a thousand feet from my house because I just can't move again. <laughs> Yeah, you're you're right. You're right. I I I I have seen some stinker sitcoms, and even this yeah. show, which I'm saying maybe the worst Parks and Rec, it still adds some laughable moments. You're yeah. exactly right. Yeah. So, are you going to up your score again and copy me like you did last week, or are you you sticking at your one? I think I'm going to stick at my one, and the reason is I'm going to I'm making a bet with myself that there's not going to be a in in air quotes worse Parks and Rec episode than this in terms of lacking the. The, the funny um mm. we'll, we'll see if i was right so for now i'm going to say this was the low point so to speak i'm going to give it a one fair enough one little sebastian and all you're right. going to give it a two i'm giving it a two i'm sticking with that all right respectable all right well good well next week when we come back we're going to talk about episode three in the airing order at least and that was called mm -hmm. the reporter now i think we're going to see mark brandanowitz a little more and uh, i think we're going to cut across that line i've talked about so this will be interesting all right. I can't wait. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. And we look forward to next week. All right. See ya. See ya. Bye. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompawnee.com for more details or to contact us.